I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Professionals always prepare for a situation before the situation occurs. Work on your game. 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 Approaching the game aggressively, with that aggression, with that confidence to dominate a game. Dre Baldwin, DreAllDay.com. Work on your game. My next live event called Work on Your Game Live will be taking place January 21st and 22nd, Miami, Florida. The two-day event will be covering leadership on day one, communication on day two. But let me tell you what's more important than even the material I'm going to give you on those two days, because you already listened to my show. You've read my books. You already know about me. You know I'm 100% substance all the time. No fluff, no garbage. But what's even more important than what you're going to get from me at that Work on Your Game Live are the people that you're going to meet. I get people coming to me all the time asking, Dre, I need better quality prospects. I need to build a network. I need to make connections. I want to have better and higher quality relationships. How does that happen then? It does not happen through your phone. It doesn't happen through social media. It doesn't happen on Facebook. It doesn't go down in the DM. You need to meet people face to face, person to person, eye to eye, look people in their faces and shake hands where you are physically in the same space as them. That's where real relationships get built. And you ask anyone you know who is very successful or a person you know who makes a lot of money, whatever you consider to be a lot, I guarantee you they have a whole lot of in-person, real-life relationships. Doesn't mean they don't use the phone or computer, but those relationships get built and the real money gets made when face-to-face interactions and handshakes occur. If you want to be one of those people and you're ready to step up to that next level, you need to go to where the relationships and the connections are at. And the next place they're going to be at is in Miami, January 21st, 22nd, and work on your game live. Go to workonyourgame.live to get all details, register your seat, and I'll see you in Miami. That's workonyourgame.live. All my coaching programs are now open at workonyourgameuniversity.com. We have the self-directed learning where you can get access to 37 plus courses. That's over 2,800 lessons that I have created over the years. You can take them at your own pace and you get lifetime access to all of them. That's one level. The next level is the group coaching programs. I have the Bulletproof Mindset program and the branding and business program where you get live Zoom calls with me where I do a training and an open Q&A and you get the community access, member only community where you can make those connections and build relationships with other people who are on the same journey as you and are like minded individuals that are just as serious as you are about working on your game. Third level is the third day mastermind. That is the only place that I offer one on one coaching that is for high level professionals and entrepreneurs who want the personalized direct attention straight from me, not part of a group or working with me one on one. All three levels, you can get access, you can get all details and you can get started by going to work on your game university dot com. That's work on your game university dot com. You're now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, confidence, put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you expected to achieve is yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative, which is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. Then we put all this together into several frameworks, philosophies, mindsets, approaches, strategies, ways to approach things, principles, and 
a whole bunch of books. You're listening to the Daily Masterclass. Yes, you heard me correctly. Daily Masterclass. All under one umbrella that is called Work on Your Game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today we are going into, as you already know, part two of three in our three-part series on how to better judge the character of the people that you come across in life. As I already told you in the introduction in point number one, actually, before I get to that, let me tell you about that. Send out a daily motivation text every single morning. You want to get my daily motivation text. You want to be able to ask me questions, share challenges, and text back and forth with me. Send me a text right now at this number, 305-384-6894. The text is completely free. And once we confirm you, then you'll get my daily motivation every morning. And I do go through and respond, read and respond to my text. So if you want to text me and engage with me, then text me at that number again, 305-384-6894. Now back to this topic of character. I told you that you will get more done through other people than you can ever get done on your own. That includes the good things and the bad things. Being around the wrong people will facilitate your failure and being around the right people will facilitate your success faster and harder than you will do on your own. So you must be very, very good at discerning, engaging the character of the people that you come across. With no further ado, let's get right into our next point, starting at point number five. The topic, once again, is how to judge character. Part two, point number five. How tough is this individual? You want to find out how much resilience another person has. Now, me, as a former professional athlete, whenever I was playing sports, I always wanted to know how tough my teammates were. I wanted to know how far they could be pushed. Because the last thing that I wanted to find out in the heat of an important game was that this person was the type of individual to quit. And they only quit once we got into the game. But all the time we were practicing, I never noticed this quit in them because, and that was my mistake, that I never noticed the quit in them simply because I never pushed them hard enough to find out at what point do they break. As long as I know what point you break at, and it doesn't mean just because I know what point you break at that I couldn't still have you as a teammate. I just, as long as I know, as long as I know how far you can go, then I know exactly what to expect from you when we get into a situation, whatever that situation is going to be. You want to know how tough somebody is. You want to find out how far they can be pushed. You want to find out what their breaking point is. When I was, I remember my experience when I was in network marketing, and I talked about this in episode number 1503, the business and personal growth benefits of network marketing and MLM. One of the trainings that I went to, the guy on stage was saying, I want to know what your IQ is. And by IQ, he didn't mean your intelligence quotient. He meant your I quit. What needs to happen for you to quit? All right, how far do you have to go to quit? How many times does somebody have to tell you no for you to quit? How long do you have to go without you know, making a sale or making X amount of dollars for you to quit? And it was a good point that he was making that I've always kept with me through all these years. And I learned it got solidified a lot through playing sports and it happens every, in everyday life now in the business world and just personal life as well. How tough is somebody? You need to know how tough a person is because you, the last time, the time that you don't want to find out how tough somebody is, is in the moment. Now, you want to know how tough they are before you get to the moment. As I told you all before, and I wrote about my book, The Third Day, if you haven't gotten this book yet, you can get it at thirddaybook.com, is that professionals always prepare for a situation before the situation occurs. Amateurs deal with a situation as it happens, but they were not prepared ahead of time. And the challenge for the amateur is if you're talented enough, you might get away with that and then fool yourself into thinking you can keep doing it until you can. You want to know how tough somebody is before a tough thing occurs. How or have this person dealt with being told no in life? And even on this, this challenging thing and how tough somebody is, any of you who watched, and I think many of you did, the last dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the late 90s, 
even if you don't play sports, you should watch that documentary because it's a very enriching documentary and very entertaining, even if you're not a sports person. Michael Jordan always talked about, and this is, it was way before this documentary came out, but maybe it's been news to certain people because they didn't know so much about Michael Jordan before the doc. As he always said, in practice, I would always push my teammates really hard. He would push himself really hard and he would push his teammates really hard. And one reason was, Michael even articulated this in so many words, I didn't want us to get into a game with the Detroit Pistons or the New York Knicks and then find out that you're not tough. So I'm going to push you harder in practice than the Pistons or the Knicks is going to push you in the game so that when we get in the game and they push you, you're already ready for it. You're already battle tested because of what I put you through in practice. Michael Jordan was finding out how tough his teammates were, and he was toughening them up by exposing them to these tough situations way before anything tough actually occurs so that they would be ready for it. Right, he wanted them ready for the tough situations. In episode number 1890, I told you, you need exposure, not protection. This is exactly what Michael Jordan was doing. You want to expose yourself to tough situations so that your character is built to deal with toughness. So then when things do become tough in the future, you're ready to deal with it because things will be tough again. They've been tough in the past. They'll be tough again. Now you and this point here, number five, how tough is a person? You want to find out how much have they been exposed to tough situations and what they do. Again, this is why you got to ask questions. This is why you have to listen. When have they been in a tough situation and how did they deal with it? How do they deal with being told no? And again, being told no doesn't necessarily mean somebody saying the word no. It can mean you trying to do something and it failing. All right. If someone's an entrepreneur, for example, I hear a lot of entrepreneur coaches talk about this and venture capitalists talk about this. They say they don't like to deal with entrepreneurs who have never failed in business before. They want to talk to an entrepreneur who started a business and it was working and then that business failed and died and they had to start over. I heard multiple venture capitalists say things, say things just like that because they said, now I know that this entrepreneur has resilience. They had a business working, it stopped working, it failed, and here they are again doing it again. They have some level of resilience because not every entrepreneur whose business fails comes back to the game. Some of them you never hear from again. So how do you deal with being told no? So being told no can mean your business failing. It can mean somebody, you're in a relationship and that person breaks up with you. It can mean you playing a sport and you're not making a team. It can mean you putting out a product and nobody buying it. That's a version of being told no. That is a no that you're getting from the universe. How do people deal with no? You need to know how somebody deals with no. You need to know K-N-O-W, how they deal with no N-O. How far can a person be pushed before they break? How resilient are they? How tough are they? How many jokes can a person take? When you make a joke about a person, can they take everybody in the room laughing at them? Can they take it and can they dish it back out? In sports, again, this was a big thing. I was a trash talker when I played sports. I don't know if any of you could guess. I was a trash talker when I would play. During the game, I would talk, I would talk to players on the court. I would talk to the fans in the stands. I would talk to the people at the scoreboard. I would trash talk to anybody. I could go a whole game and not talk, but I could also go through a whole game and talk the entire time. And you need to know who can be trash talked to and who can't. Who can take being trash talked to and they'll kill, keep playing their game at a high level and who, if you trash talk them, They'll get so focused on you that they stop playing their game and they actually become not good anymore. So now you can use it against them. Look into a person's background. What has this person overcome and made it through? This is something that you need to know. We, talk, we touched on this yesterday and I'm touching on it again here. When you're finding out how tough a person is, you're gauging their character. You want to know when had they faced a tough situation and how did they deal with it? You could even ask somebody that question. What's the tough situation you dealt with in life and how did you deal with it? You just ask, I would just straight up ask somebody that question and let them answer. How did they overcome that situation? How did they make it through? How did they get to where they are here today? 
you want to know if somebody is a fighter. You want to know how much fight people have in them. Because everybody's a fighter on some level. Because some people have about one punch worth of fight, and some people will fight for 30 years. But you want to know how much fight does a person have in them. Because again, you don't want to get to a moment where fight is needed and then you find out the person that you're standing next to has none. All right, that's not a good situation. All right, that's a little bit too late. All right, you want to know before you get into the situation who has fight and who doesn't. I heard this guy, it was actually a rapper by the name of Pusha T. Some of you may know him. He was on, he was doing an interview. I don't remember who he's, who he's being interviewed by. And this wasn't even the subject of the conversation, but he idly mentioned it and it made me remember it. He said when he was growing up, he had certain friends who, when Pusha himself wanted to go to the mall, he had certain friends who could not come with him to the mall. He said, if I went to the mall, the only friends who were allowed to come to the mall with me were my friends who knew how to fight, like fist fight, hand to hand combat fight. He said, because I knew every time I went to the mall, I might have to fight. And if I bring one of my friends with me who can't fight or is scared to fight, and then I get in a fight and then you don't fight with me, now I can't be your friend anymore. So those friends who I knew couldn't fight, I never put them in the situation to come to the mall with me because then that would hurt our friendship. So he only brought people with him who he knew could fight. And the point is, he wanted to know how tough people were. Or since he claimed he knew, he, he figured he had a gauge on how tough each of his friends was. He knew which ones could come with him to the mall and which ones could not. You want to know who has some fight in them and how much do they have? Because again, you don't want to find out when it's too late that a person has no fight. Point number six, today's topic. Once again, we are on part two of three, how to gauge a person's character. How much does a person listen? Not you listening, but them listening. How much of a listener is this person? Is this person all about themselves or do they actually give a damn about you and or anyone else? Or do they seem so self-centered, so spaced out in their own world that they don't really listen to other people? I know some people who are really good people, genuine people, nice people. They'd be great to hang with when I see them. It's all good. Handshakes, hugs, all of that stuff. Great individuals. But something about them bothers me is that they don't listen. Like they'll ask a question. And when you say something, they will hear you, but they're not really listening. They are all they're the type of person who when you're in a conversation with them, they will always find a way to bring the conversation back to themselves. You know, anybody like that? They always find a way to steer the conversation back to be about them. And they don't actually listen to anything that the other person is saying. They can hear what you're saying. They're not really listening to what you're saying. They can't. You know, anybody who can't be in a conversation that is not centered around them. Everything has to be about them. And if you put them in a situation where everything's not about them, they will slowly just slide out of that situation and disappear. And, and then they'll go find a situation that is tailored more to their need. And their need is for everything to be about them. I'll give you an example. Without saying names, my senior year in college, I had senior year in college, you know, me and all my friends were basketball players, my closest friends, male friends, all basketball players. We all lived in the same apartment complex. We went to the same parties. We would play ball together all the time. And these are guys who can actually fucking play. Now, I did play Division Three college, but this was we had an, an anomaly of players who could actually play at that time for several different reasons. But anyway, the guys that I was hanging with my senior year at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, it was actually let me go backwards. The year before my junior year, it was three of us who would all hang together. Three guys who would hang together all the time. Now, my senior year, there were two other guys that we were bringing into our circle because they could play just as well as we could play. These guys had actual game and they had game on the court 
And off the court, they were into the similar things we were into. They would go out to the parties. They would talk to the girls and all this stuff. So the five of us, it was a perfect synergy. At least it appeared so on the surface. Now, going into that year, again, we some of us have been there longer than others, but we all were interested in the same things. We went to class you know, as much as we needed to. And we played basketball and went to parties. That was what we did. The social interaction, as I told, that was my major in college was social interaction, not business management and marketing. Anyway, one of the guys, actually two of these guys who was in this group of five, these two new guys that we had brought in at the beginning of the year, they were hanging with us and everything seemed cool on the surface. But there was a problem. And I know exactly what the problem is. I'm going to explain it. Problem was, it wasn't so much an on the court thing. There was a little bit of on the court lack of synergy and that there was only one basketball and everybody, not everybody, but a good number of us kind of needed it. So we would have had to figure that out. But I think we could have figured it out had we been able to figure things out even off the court, because off the court, we had a bigger challenge. The challenge was if we all went into a party and there's a certain number of girls in that party, now we're all competing for the same girls. Or it came to that point where you're trying to talk to this girl. Now you're going to try to talk to her. Whereas my unspoken code, personally, my unspoken code is if I walk into a party with another man, me and you in the party together, and we both see a girl, we don't let the girl choose. All right. She can talk to me a little bit, talk to you for a few minutes. All right. Whichever one she chooses, she chooses. And now the other guy who didn't get chosen, all right, now you got to move on and go find somebody else. But you don't turn that into a competition between two men. That's a violation of code. Now, if you don't know the other dude and you compete, and then that's, I don't care about that. It's open season. You can try to take her from that guy. But if you know the guy, and she chose him, then you got to move on. And what happened my senior year, it happened once. I remember at the beginning of the year, something like this, a similar situation to what I just described. And what ended up happening is these two guys who were going to come into our circle, they kind of broke off from the circle and they kind of went and started their own circle. And it's interesting. I'll tell you what ended up happening. They went and started their own circle. And I have a very good idea of why it happened. The reason it happened is because, and these two guys, Whenever they would hang with us and all five of us were together, nobody was really the star of the group. Everybody was pretty much equal because it was all five of us. We were all the same age. We all played on the basketball team. We could all play. We all know doing our thing. Nobody was above anybody else. Everybody had equal billing and we all had respect for each other. But these two guys, their challenge was they could not exist in an environment in which they weren't the biggest star in the room. So they stopped hanging with us. And then here's what happened. Now, mind you, I told you this is my senior year of college. All right. So we're all like 21, 22 years old. These two guys go and start their own. They went and started their own circle. They created their own circle with some other people. And guess who they populated their circle with? Mind you, they're seniors. They populated their circle with a bunch of freshmen. So by the end of that year, these two guys, seniors in college, 21, 22 years old, their circle, they're the leaders of a circle of a whole bunch of freshmen. So you see them walking around campus. They got a whole bunch of freshmen walking, trailing behind them and hanging with them. We see them at parties. They got a bunch of freshmen with them. These guys are seniors. And I remember seeing them and I would always think to myself, like, why are they hanging with these freshmen? And I knew why they were hanging with the freshmen, because when they hung with freshmen, they were the biggest stars in the room. They were the biggest stars of their crew. And that's what they really wanted. It wasn't because those freshmen, they weren't learning anything from those guys. These freshmen weren't good basketball players. They weren't hanging in with basketball. These freshmen weren't getting any females. So it's not like they were getting any, there wasn't any trickle down effect of the dating game that was accruing to them. The main thing that they got and the main thing that they needed and the reason why they stopped hanging with us is so that they could be the biggest stars in the room. Because when they were with us, they weren't the biggest star in the room. 
But as soon as they start hanging with freshmen, you're a senior. Of course, you're the biggest star. These freshmen are looking up to you. All right, you're a grown man to them, all right, even though you're only three, four years older than them. And this is what I mean here. Um, we're still on point number six. Are you with the type of person who cannot be around someone unless they are the center of attention? Are you talking to a type of person who can't hold a conversation unless the conversation is all about them? Can they step themselves to the back and let somebody else be the star for five minutes, for an hour, for a day, for a year, for the eternity of a career? Are they the type of person who's okay with not being the superstar? Or do they have to be the biggest star in everything that they do? Otherwise, they can't function. Now, I want you to understand something. There are people who are that second type. They need to be the biggest star in the room in order to function. If they're not the biggest star, it's just not going to work. There are times in life when that makes sense and a person does need to move on so that they can be the biggest star. Some examples, you think of somebody like James Harden. He was playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder at the beginning of his career. He got traded to the Houston Rockets where he could be the biggest star and James Harden is pretty damn good. So he proved that being the biggest star on the team was actually a good thing for him. That's not necessarily for everybody. You look at someone like Justin Timberlake. He was part of a group called NSYNC. And they were a group and the group was doing pretty well. But then Justin Timberlake broke off and became his own his own solo act. And Justin Timberlake did pretty well. Beyonce, when she broke off from Destiny's Child and became a solo star, Beyonce was pretty damn good. So there are plenty of examples of people who are part of a group and maybe they're the biggest star in the group, but the group is or maybe the group is on equal billing. But that person needed to move on and do their own thing and establish their own position so that they could find out just how much potential they actually had. Sometimes in life, this makes sense. So I'm not saying that it's negative on Beyonce's character that she went and became a solo star. Apparently, it looks like it was a pretty good idea. Justin Timberlake, James Harden as well. The point that I'm making is sometimes people will sabotage a situation and make it worse. They'll make the situation worse or they'll even make themselves worse just so they can get all the attention on themselves, just so they can get all the attention on them. These guys that I'm referring to from my senior year of college, did they meet more girls by hanging with these freshmen? Hell no. They would have met a lot more had they stayed hanging with us. All right. Did it help their basketball? I mean, I would have to say no. Within a year, both of those guys, ironically enough, if you want to say so, within a year, both of those guys were completely out of basketball and they might have been more talented than the other three. Both of them. They might have been the two most talented out of everybody. Within a year, both of those guys were not playing basketball anymore. You can go figure why that is. So. They didn't make them better to leave the situation. All right. This was not a Justin Timberlake, Beyonce situation. This was just people who needed to serve their ego and their ego could not survive seeing someone else have higher billing than what they had. And this will tell you something about a person's character. Now, you're going to have to find out a little bit more. Again, I'm not giving you any type of moral judgments here as to whether it's good or bad. I'm just telling you what happened. And I'm telling you to notice these things about people so that you can Figure out for yourself as you put together the whole puzzle of the who are you dealing with, you can find out what their character is because you need to know another person's character. I keep saying this. Can someone be anything other than the center of a conversation or the center of attention? If you're dealing with someone who has to always be the center of attention, then you need to ask yourself the following question. Are you okay with that? Because some of us in life, we are okay with not being the center of attention. There are many people, as a matter of fact, who don't want to be the center of attention. They want to support the person who is the center of attention. Look at someone like myself, for example. I'm in my business. I'm the front facing person. I'm the one on camera. I'm the one in the pictures. I'm the one posting on Instagram. I'm the one on the stories. When I do events, I'm the one on the stage. When I speak, I'm the one doing all the talking. The philosophy is all about me. 
I am the front facing person. I am going to be the center of attention in anything under the work on your game umbrella. Therefore, anyone who comes around me, who's going to be part of my team, part of my circle, a person who's going to be an advisor or close to me, they can't be that type of person. Why? Because we're going to clash and you will never get top billing under the work on your game umbrella over me. Uh, just, that's not going to happen. So anyone who's going to come into my circle, they can't be the center of attention type person. They need to be a supporting type of individual. And there's nothing wrong with being a supporting person. Everybody can't be a star in life. We don't need everybody to be a star because then nothing would happen. Because if everybody's a star, who's going to be the producer? Who's going to be the editor? Who's going to make sure everything is in order? Who's going to make sure the star is taken care of and everything is set up the way it needs to be set up? We need supporting roles. Everybody has a role to play and every role matters. And everybody is a role player. I told you about this in episode number 1173. Everyone is a role player. Even being a star is a role. Being a speaker is a role. The manager is a role. The producer is a role. The assistants, that is a role. The editor, that's a role. The maintenance person has a role. The maintenance person doesn't clean the bathroom, then nobody wants to use the bathroom, right? That's a problem. So there is a role in everything that we do in life. So you need to understand, first of all, your character and your position in anything you do, and then ask yourself, what types of people do I need to go around me? And they should not be exactly like you. That will become a clash and that's not going to work. Now, again, at Work On Your Game Live in January, on day one on leadership, I'm going to be talking about this in detail. So if you like what you're hearing right now, you should go to workonyourgame.live and get your ticket and be in the room. Because when I talk about this in detail, I guarantee you it's going to blow your mind and open your eyes a lot about what types of people you need to have around you based on type person that you are as a person. Another question you're going to ask yourself when you're trying to gauge how much attention does this person need? How much of a listener is a person? How many times in a conversation when you're talking to someone, does the person ask you about you? This is a very revealing one. You sit down for lunch with a person. How many times in that conversation does that person ask you something about you and actually listen to you? How many times do they ask you an open-ended question? And it's not just the closed-ended question. Somebody might ask you, well, hey, what gym do you work out at or where you're from? Those are closed questions. You can give a very quick answer and the conversation go right back to the other person. When someone asks you an open-ended question, they are opening the door for you to speak. So if I ask you something like, hey, could you tell me the story of how you started your business? I'm asking you to tell me the story. You might take 10 minutes. You might talk for the next 20 minutes if I ask you a question like that. And people who don't want to listen, people who need to be the center of attention all the time, let me give you a, tell you a secret. They won't ask a question like that. Why? Because then all the attention is going to be on you and none of the attention is going to be on them. They aren't the type of person to even think of asking a question like that because the attention comes off of them. And again, start noticing these things. And you'll start noticing a lot more about people that you never even considered before. Point number seven. Today's topic, once again, is how to gauge and judge another person's character. You want to look at someone's social interaction. Look at their social circle. I just told you a story of my senior year in college, how a couple of guys were hanging with us. It was all five male seniors. And by the end of the year, these guys are running around with a bunch of freshmen. Why are they hanging with freshmen? What did I tell you about the law of association? You become the average of the people you spend the most time with. Why would they stop hanging with us? They wanted to play ball. They wanted to party and they wanted to meet girls. All right, we knew about all that. We knew where all the basketball courts were at. We knew all the players in the area. We knew where all the parties were. We knew where all the girls were because we had been there longer than them. So why would they not want to hang with us? Only reason because they couldn't be the star. So social interaction here. Think of the person that the person whose character you're gauging. Do they know people where they are? Look at where they are. Whatever neighborhood they live in. Do they know people in the neighborhood? Do their neighbors know them? When they go outside, do people notice them? Do they wave at them? In their line of work, does anybody know who they are? 
Are you a professional speaker? Does anybody know you in a professional speaking world? You're an author. Do any other authors know you? All right, you're a social media influencer. Do any other influencers have any idea that you exist? You're a comedian. Do you know other comedians? Whatever a person does for work. I mean, we spend a third of our lives working. Whatever they do for work, ask, look, and don't ask, but look and ask yourself, does anybody know them? Are they known? Are they working at this job five years and don't know anybody? That might tell you something. That may be tipping you off to something about this person's character. I don't know what, but it may be tipping you off to something. Does anybody know them? They've been living in this neighborhood 10 years. They don't even know their neighbors. All right, what is that telling you? This, again, these are open questions for you to answer. You want to look at someone's social interaction. Look at their social circles. What about their family connections? If they have living family members, how close are they to those people? How often do they talk to their family members? How often do they talk to their siblings or their parents or their, if they have kids, how often do they talk to their kids or even extended family, grandmas, uncles, cousins? What kind of connection do they have to those people? Do they have any connection to those people? And again, whatever information you get, is telling you something about this person's character. There are no hard conclusions you can draw from any one of these points. Again, it's all a puzzle piece. These are all puzzle pieces that you're going to put together to get an overall picture of a person's character. That's why I'm giving you all of these points. You want to put all of these together into one big picture. Don't take any one of them and say, all right, this person, they don't talk to their mom that much, so they must be terrible. No. Each piece adds to the other pieces and you put together an entire picture. Make sure I'm throwing that disclaimer in there. I should have said that at the beginning of yesterday's episode, but you're still listening. So how is this person in social situations? In other words, you bring them to an event where maybe they don't know anybody but you or they only know two or three people in the room. How are they? Are they awkward? Do they go off by themselves? Are they just, are they just standing, holding up the wall, doing nothing? They become part of the wallpaper or are they out there engaging? Do they go around and shake people's hands? Are they talking to people that they don't even know? How do they deal with strangers? These are things that can tell you, again, it can tell you a lot about a person's character. For example, when I'm recording this, this upcoming week, I'm going to be going to a a marketing conference in uh, Orlando, Florida, not far from here in Miami. And I don't know anyone who is actually going to be at this conference. I've been to this conference before. And the last time I was there, I did not know anyone who was going to be there, but I met a whole bunch of people while I was there. But I haven't asked any of those people specifically, directly. Are you going to be there? I'm assuming that some people that I know will be there. Maybe somebody will know me who sees me there, but I don't feel any trepidation about it because when I go to events like that where I don't know anybody, one thing that I always do, I will get up in the intermissions when there are thousands of people just milling around and I'll just walk around and I will walk up to people and I will introduce myself and I'll shake people's hands and someone makes eye contact with me, I'll say hello and I'll talk to them and I'll introduce myself and ask them a couple questions, let them ask me some questions and just meet people. I don't have a problem with those type of situations, but there are other people who you put them in a situation like that and they feel a very, they feel very strong trepidation because they're like, well, I don't know anybody. I don't know what I'm going to do. They go to that event. They go to an event for five days and don't meet a single person because <laughs> they didn't know anybody when they got there. And again, this tells you something about a person's character. I'm not saying it's positive or negative. I'm just saying it says something. There's another puzzle piece that you can put together. You want to know how someone is in any type of social situation. How does someone deal with a stranger? If a stranger just walks up to them and starts talking, how do they deal with them? Are they just so standoffish? They, they won't even make eye contact with the stranger. They won't even look at the person that they're dealing with. They won't even, that it's talking to them. They just try to exit the conversation as quickly as possible. And again, this is also based on who the person is and what they say. This is something that I always notice, and I wrote an article about this a couple of years ago. Whenever I'm on an elevator, and I usually live in condominiums, so I'm on and off, the, off and on the elevator all the time. When I'm in the elevator, I'm already in it. And then somebody else gets in. 
one thing that I always notice is, do they look at me? Will they make eye contact with me? Then will they say anything? Do they say hello? Do they smile? Do they ask a question? Do they try to engage? Or also on the other end of the spectrum is the type of person who will see that there's another person in the elevator, not actually make eye contact with me. And then they'll position themselves in such a way so as not to be able to even see my face. They'll just get in and like turn their back and just stand facing the door so that nobody can see them and they can't see anybody until the door opens to wherever they're going. Then they get off. I don't know. That that always seemed weird to me. But again, it's just a puzzle piece that you're getting about another person. How are they socially? And I think that can, in my in my uh, experience, that the type of person who would do that, get in the elevator and immediately turn their back and not make eye contact with anyone else who's in the elevator and then be like standing right next to the door and the door opens and they just dart out and never engage with anyone. You never you barely even see their face. That usually translates to how they are outside of the elevator with people that they don't know, let's just say. And some of us, people like myself, are more open to talking to people that they don't know, more open to engaging with strangers. And again, there are many factors that can contribute to this. So again, let me be clear, this is not an indication of anything good or bad about a person. It's just another data point. Okay, keep that in mind. Actually, a couple more things on point number seven. Still on point number seven here. Who are this person's friends? We're talking socially. We've got to ask this question. Can't leave this one out. Who are their friends? When you meet someone new, wherever they're from, however you know them, you want to find out who do they know? Who are your friends? Who do you hang with? Who are their longest termed friends? Who have they been friends with for the longest? Who do they, do they know anyone? Do they have any friends that they've known for more than 10 years? How often do they talk to their, again, family members? How close are they to their family? Do they have friends at work? They've been working at this job five years. They have no friends at work. What is that telling you? They've been in this career 10 years. They don't have any friends in the industry. What is that telling you? Just questions. Moving on now to point number eight. Topic, once again, is how to judge character. Associates. All of association. You become the average of the people you spend the most time with. Who does this person know and who knows them? So this social and associates can go together in many ways. Who knows this person? Who are they associated with? If you want to get a feel for who a person is, go look at their friends. Look at the people that they're hanging with. Look at the people they're sitting down eating dinner with at the restaurant. Look at the people that are the favorites in their phone. Look at the people that they're texting. Look at the people that they're following on social media. If they're not following too many, who are their associates? Who do they know? Who knows them? Do they have any long-term relationships with a job, with a person, with a mate, with a friend? Do they have any long-term relationships anywhere? Have they lived in a place for a long time? You can get a really good feel for a person based on who they associate with, what they associate with, and how long they have been associating. And what's the temperature of that association? I have personally made final decisions about certain people based on the type of people that I see them hanging with. Based on who I see them walking around with, I can get a feel. I might see somebody and say, I can't really tell. You ever see somebody, you can't really tell their age bracket. You can't even tell if they're in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s. They kind of, they could be anyone. And then all I do is just wait till I see them hanging with other people. Now, then I saw them with three people. All right. All right. This person's in their 20s because they're hanging around a bunch of people who are like they're in their 20s. Oh, this person might be a little bit older because they're hanging with people who look a little bit older. So sometimes you can infer certain things about people just based on their associates. Actually, you can a lot of times you can infer a lot about people based on their associates because, again, the law of association. And I made some final decisions about people 
positively, like, well, let's move forward, and negatively, like, no, nah, I'm not dealing with this individual based on the people that I see around them, based on their associations, because your associations are telling, your associations are a signal to the rest of the world who you are and what you're about. As I paraphrasing one of my neighborhood basketball coaches when I was a teen, he said to one of the guys that was playing, well, if you hang around gay guys all the time, what is everybody going to think about you? They're going to think you're gay. If you hang around people who sell drugs, what is everyone going to think about you? That you're a drug dealer. And if you hang around people who smoke weed all day, what is everybody going to think about you? They're going to think that you smoke weed. It, this is the law of association. And which direction is this person going? Are they hanging around people who are going somewhere and moving up and the type of people that you want to be associated with? Or are they associated with the type of people that you're like, well, I don't give a damn about. I want to associate with the type of people that they're dealing with. And I know some people who are actually really good people. When I see them, like if I see them, it's just me and that person. They're a good person. We can have a good conversation. We can go out for lunch. We can have a quick you know, talk and see what you're doing, what I'm doing. You know, I can help you with something. You can help me with something. All good. But then I see that same person's associates and I see who they associate with. And I'm like, all right, this is the type of people that this guy or this girl associates with. Well, look, I can still be cool with them. I can still be nice to them. I can still you know, say hello to them. We still got each other's number and all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm not going to get in too deep with this individual because I'm looking at their associates and I'm like, all right, the direction that, that this person is going based on their associates is not a direction that I want to go. I can still be cool with them, but I'm not going to get in too deep with them. And this harkens back to what we talked about in episode 1058. Two minute people, two hour people and two day people. You just got to know what type of people you're dealing with and make your adjustments accordingly. This is your life we're talking about here. Do not make a mistake. All this said, let's recap today's class, which is the next four of this part two of two, next four points on how to judge character. Point number five, how tough is this individual? How do they deal with being told no by other people and by life? How far can they be pushed before they break? And are they a fighter? Are they a person who is tough enough to fight back against the circumstances of life? Number six, do they listen? When a person's in conversation with you, how often do they steer the conversation back to themselves or do they keep the focus on you? Do they actually listen to what you're saying? Are they capable of being anything other than the center of a conversation or the center of a group? And if not, why? How many times in conversation do they ask you about you? An open question that allows you to talk. Number seven, look at them socially. Do they know anybody in their neighborhood, in their field of work, in their careers, in the building that they're in, in anywhere they frequent? Does anybody know who the hell they are? What's their family connection? How often do they talk to the people in their family? How are they in social situations? Are they awkward? Are they off by themselves? Are they engaging, talking? Are they social butterflies? You put them in a room of a bunch of people that they don't know. You come back 10 minutes later, they know everybody. How do they deal with strangers? Who are their best and longest term friends? Do they have any? Number eight, associates. Who do they know? Who knows them in their field, in their job, in their neighborhood, in their community? They've been there living there 10 years. Nobody knows who the hell they are. What is that telling you? Do they have long term relationships with anyone? Have they ever had any? You can get a really good feel for a person based on their associates. I personally make final decisions about people based on their associations. Remember the law of association. In which direction is this person going? Look at their associates and it'll tell you everything. Text me if you want to get my daily motivation text every day. My number is 305-384-6894. And those of you professionals out there who want to be coached directly by me, I only do coaching in one place. It's called my third day mastermind. I coach people on accountability, on strategizing, on building their brands, getting their business in order, their mindset, their mental toughness. Anything you hear me talk about on this show, I coach people on. You're interested? Go to workonyourgameuniversity.com slash call. The link is below in the description. Fill out a quick form. We'll hop on a Zoom call and I'll find out where you're at, where you want to go and how it could be a bridge to help you get there. Work on your game. Dre all 
って I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused, and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number, 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge, 305-384-6894.